0: Welcome to the new Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. I'm Hakun Wang, the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me, as always, is senior staff writer Ryan Whitfield. Now, we have a lot talk about today, we're going to go through some way too early top five power rankings for the 2018 season, and we're going to talk about a lot of quarterback movements in the offseason, including a little bit of new news on Johnny Manziel. Hey, Ryan, how you doing?
1: Doing great. How about you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. So, um, you see all this craziness with uh, Kareem Hunt in Cleveland that came up on the news just uh, this afternoon?
1: I did not. You'll have to fill me okay. in, my
0: buddy. So apparently, apparently he was on a party bus in Cleveland with a bunch of buddies and two women uh, who ended up being 19-year-old Kent State uh, students, and uh, he didn't figure that out until they got back to his apartment and which time kind he of kicked them out, and there was a major to-do there. 30 minutes of banging on the door and craziness. Police came. There's cross complaints filling. No charges filed yet, but it is. it looks like a huge mess out there. Unbelievable that what these guys get themselves <laughs> what kind of trouble these guys get themselves into in the off season, you know? Uh, just not a great combo. Party <laughs> bought three twenty five in the morning, Cleveland. None of that none of that as me. Well. Especially the Cleveland part. Yeah, right. The Cleveland part was the worst part of that entire thing. Party bus, I can get on board with. Uh, Cleveland, no no thank you. All right, we got a lot to talk about. I I already kind of previewed a little bit of what we're going to do. So let's go ahead and get into our way too early top five power rankings for 2018. Mm -hmm. All right, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and kick it off for us, because, you know, this is just kind of throwing darts at this point. But, you know, we, we like to look at how we think the teams are situated right after the Super Bowl and kind of take a stab at how are they're going to be situated in 2018. Who are in your top five uh, for 2018 right now in the way too early power rankings? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I'll start from number one and work my way back. Number one's the easy one. Uh, until someone dethrones them, you gotta, you got to leave it to the champs. So Philadelphia, number one, especially with Carson Wentz coming back. Um, mm-hmm. So they only get better. Uh, number two will surprise you. I equate this team uh, to the, I believe it was the 2012 uh, Seahawks that lost in Atlanta in uh, the division around that year. I think that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars were last year, wow. a year before they peak as one of the elite defenses for the next five years. So I'm going Jacksonville number two. Number three, I will put my Patriots. I think I've made it pretty clear after the Super Bowl, and the feeling has not worn off that they have uh, a lot of work to do, and that defense uh, needs a lot of fixes. So until they fix that defense, I think it's Jacksonville's conference. Uh, number four, I will move into, the, into New Orleans, I think, another year um, to develop mm-hmm. that defense. Uh, another year of Kamara getting better, and uh, yeah. you know, provided that they retain uh, Breeze, um, that's who I'm going uh, going number four here. And then number five, this one's just a kind of a wild card throw in. Uh, I'm pretty heavy on the NFC in this, um, but I think the Seahawks return uh, to their to their old form next year, uh, so I have the Seahawks wow. at five right now.
0: That is uh, that is pretty that is quite that is an interesting list. I noticed uh, that you left the Steelers off the list, so I, I know that obviously. No fan of the Steelers, but is there a reason why you thought the Steelers wouldn't crack that top five next year?
1: Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, Le'Veon Bell is up in the air. Um, second of all, uh, they have a toxic locker room. And mm-hmm. third of all, uh, they're on the list that I put Kansas City on to you three weeks ago. Do not talk to me about Pittsburgh until they ever win a thing again. Them in Kansas City. I don't want to hear about it. They both <laughs> suck. They both blow it. They're both, they're both all hype every single year. And they're, they're both teams are full of a bunch of morons from Travis Kelsey um, right on down to Ben Roethlisberger threatening retirement and everything he pulls every year
0: uh, both those locker rooms are toxic I don't want to talk about either team. Wow okay all right well I can I can I can respect that and we are at a little bit of a crossroads here for the Steelers I mean they haven't they've had their big three so to speak on the on the field. Uh, for most of the season, and they haven't been able to make it uh, make it happen. So we'll see what happens with them. So of my top five, it's going to look a little bit similar, but I have a couple guys, a couple things in here that I think I'd be interested to hear why, uh, why they are also uh, kind of different places. But I have, number one, the Eagles. Uh, I think the, the reason why I have the Eagles there, not only are they the reigning chance, but they really have all their key players under control next season. So there really is no issue, and they have a really good situation. They have two quarterbacks. Uh, one of which, um, you know, the, the, it's a little bit of a question mark what they're going to do with. But, you know, they got Carson Wentz there, who is, uh, in, as far as I'm concerned, a future Pro Bowler, future Hall of Famer if he can keep the uh, keep trending up as he has over the last year. So the Eagles number one, number two, I have the Minnesota Vikings, and I know that's going to be a little bit controversial, but I think their defense is legitimate, and Dalvin Cook returns. They have now they will have a significant run threat, and they have two of the best wide receivers in the league in Thielen and Diggs. And there is a question mark about what happens to quarterback, but, they, you know, as far as I see it, they have at least two capable quarterbacks there. And if Case Keenum going to be Case Keenum uh, of 2017, uh, then in 2018 he, he could be a real threat moving forward. So I like the Vikings at two. Number three, I have the, I have the Pats. I mean, you just can't get off the bandwagon. Until Gronk and Brady retire, I, I really i am still on board. It's just the bottom line there. Number four, I believe in the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. Their defense is legit. Uh, Fournette is legit. I, I have some question marks about Blake Bortles, but uh, certainly that can be um, that doesn't seem to be an issue for them. Uh, and then number five, I actually like the L.A. Rams. I really do think that they will take the next step forward. You were right this year; they were too young for the playoffs. But with another year under their belt, with Todd Gurley's resurgence, with Jared Goff getting better, Robert Woods, that defense looking relatively solid, I think they have a good shot at um, you know at a run at the title. Uh, I, I don't think they will win it. But I think they will have a good shot at least getting to the NFC Conference Championship next year. So I really do like the LA Rams at number five. So any thoughts on uh, my Vikings at two, Rams at five? I know they are noticeably different from what you have.
1: Yeah, uh, number two uh, for for the Vikings. Um, you know, I be- I believed in that defense all year, and I like a lot of the guys they have. Um, it's kind of a twofold thing. That defense doesn't seem to travel as well as it should, especially outdoors. And right. You know the, the six quarters of football they played at the most important time of the year. People forget. You know there was that exciting Stephon Diggs walk off to win that game, but that defense was atrocious in the second half That's against true. the Saints and awful against the Eagles. Obviously, that Eagles offense had a pretty nice postseason, but uh, you know. So you look at six quarters like that, and they're, they're kind of in the show me category now. I need, I need. They need to build some trust back up with me. As far as the Rams. Um, I think we're going to see a bit of a sophomore slump. Now, I know it's technically Goff's third year, and it'll be Gurley's uh, third year as well, or fourth year here. Fourth year. Um, but as as an overall unit together, uh, as this you know incognition of them, they had a kind of their arrival year last year, I see a step back. One, because I just think they're going to regress, and McVeigh will regress a little bit this year. And two, because... You know, with the way they played last year and their record and their, you know, uh, their division status last year, now they're going to have to play the division winners of all, uh, you know, all the NFC division winners. So their schedule is right. going to be significantly harder this year. So I see, I see more of a nine and seven at best, ten and six type season for them. Hmm. So I think they take all a right. step back, and I think the Seahawks can win that division. But uh, but I think in general, over the next five years, the the, the Rams will be a relevant, good football team.
0: Yeah. And I don't, I don't actually hate the Orleans Saints either. Actually to tell you the truth, Kamara has, has really reinvigorated my, um, my faith in them uh, between him and Ingram. I really do think that they have a, such a, such an offensive threat there that they can basically make it anywhere. Now, of course we saw what happened when Kamara went out of a early concussion, it completely changes their offense. So I do think that he is an important linchpin there. Um, and without him, they might not have the firepower to actually keep things going, but who knows? Who knows? I, I do like their, uh, their I do like where they are right now uh, and how they've remolded themselves and how they've remolded that defense. All right, let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one. Let's move on to some quarterback information, and leading it off, a <laughs> big surprise, Johnny Manziel back in the news. After being out of the league since 2015, Manziel is making waves again, but this time not about anything he did on the field or any of his off-field exploits. Instead, in speaking to Good Morning America this morning, John, Johnny Manziel disclosed that he had bipolar disorder and, quote, was self-medicating with alcohol but that he's now sober and he hopes to, quote, get back into the NFL. Now, uh, here during that interview, he stated, quote, I am taking medication for bipolar. I'm working to try to make sure I don't fall back into any type of depression because I know where that leads and I know how slippery a slope that is for me. I am coming back from a huge downfall. I don't know what kind of comeback it will be, but I know I want to get back on the football field to what brought me so much joy in my life, unquote. Now, currently, the CFLs, Hamilton Tiger Cats, own his CFL rights, and it looks like he'll probably be signing to them in the next year. He's just 25, though, so what do you think about Manzel back in the NFL? Is there any possibility that you see he could be a fit someplace down the line if he shows it in the CFL?
1: So I'll say this uh, kind of a twofold point on Johnny Menzel. One, um, I'd like to start off by saying that I'm a huge mental health advocate. Um, I think it's uh, it's unfortunate that we still, as evolved as this country is, um, there's still such a a disdain uh, and kind of uh, odor attached to to mental health and stigma Mm -hmm. um, and negative stigma. That makes it really hard to deal with these issues. You've seen Brandon Marshall deal with it his entire career. Uh, If you haven't watched a Football Life on Brandon Marshall, um, it really brings in perspective what he's battled through his whole life. Now, the hard thing is, is that with bipolar disorder, um, you know, medication can have a lot of side effects, you know, fatigue and fogginess. um, Right. And, you know, some mental clarity issues, but not on it means you're too, you know, that there's a lot of unpredictability as far as, you know, when you're really high, when you're really low, and it can really switch on the drop of a dime. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really a lot of times take anything to to switch it. Um, It can just flip. You know, just because the chemical imbalance inside the person with it. So if mm-hmm. Manzel, and I will say this with a caveat, if because, you know, that's a that's another person speaking of. the you United know, I said, uh, I forget who it was. Now, oh, the Vikings' defense needs to earn my trust. Manzel needs to earn a lot of trust. So yeah. I, I'm not yep. ready to take him at his word that he that he is struggling with this. If he is, um, yet you know, on the football field, there is something to consider. You know, Marshall struggled with his whole career and he's not the leader of the offense he's the wide receiver you know your number 1 your quarterback the guy who's got to lead your team out on the field the guy who has to show the most poise and and have the most focus you know that's a that's a really tough thing to deal with so um, you know, I, I think it maybe explains a lot of what he did, although the, the, the money sign and the, that whole arrogant, uh, pompous thing, I think more has to do with his upbringing and being handed uh life on a, on a silver spoon, um, more right. than it does with, with a disorder. Um, some of the out, outlandish behavior, I think is more of that, but there's, I don't know, there's just so much, there's so much baggage that there, there's so much that's going on and, and that, you know, that, that sickness at that position, you know, makes it really hard for me to think that, uh, You know he he can actually you know be be a viable NFL quarterback, and then you throw in the size thing. Is this one of those things that like I know he thinks this explains it, but when you when you throw this onto the pile of of the career he's had and the fact that he's undersized and and just been out of football for a couple years, the weight loss he underwent, like I don't know, it just feels like there's just too many question marks at this point. So um, as far as the mental health thing, you know, again, if that's a that's a legitimate diagnosis, then then you know all, all the wishes and and well-being to him uh I, you know I, I i i feel for the guy and, and pull for him but uh as far as an nfl quarterback i mean i sure as sure as hell don't want to be in the tom brady replacement
0: yeah no i i, I totally am right there with you and and i'll say uh, this about uh, johnny manzel i i was never really a fan of him as a football player now you know you take all the uh, immaturity and arrogance off the table and just say let's look at the tape i, I never thought he was really that great of an of a football player with respect to how he would fit into the NFL system. Now he might be able to make that work in college. And he did make it work in college. A lot of that backyard football scramble until you find somebody type of stuff, but defenses are just so much more complex, so much more, so much faster and so much more intelligent at the NFL rate at level that I, I just don't think that he would be a good NFL quarterback um, and I think his size is a problem. I think he's going to get destroyed if he plays the way he likes to play. And we saw a little bit of that when he was in Cleveland. Now, this is all if he overcomes you know, all the other issues he has. And, uh, I, again, I don't want to make light of the bipolar disorder. It is a serious issue. I'm glad he's found some treatment for it. I'm glad he found an opportunity in the CFL. And, frankly, I think he could do very well in the CFL. I mean, the fact of the matter is that the CFL is a – almost like an ultra, ultra West coast offense where everything's always moving. Everything's always scrambling a lot less big hits because you get the bird of the ball very quickly and it's all timing routes and your, and your receivers have the waggle so they can get moving early, um, which helps you get the ball off really quickly. I think it fits his play style better. And, you know, I think this could be a good thing for him and his size doesn't matter as much in the CFL. He might just be a CFL star. And I, and I wish him all the luck when he goes to uh, the hamilton tiger cats i hope he has a lot of success there and and frankly that might be the best place for him um all right let's turn to the next guy and then this is a guy who's going to be commanding a ton a ton of money the washington redskins went out and signed alex smith leaving kirk cousins free to test the market and all arrows are pointing up for him he played on the franchise tag on back-to-back seasons for the redskins they decided not to tag him a third time at least that's the the thought process now that they've signed Alex Smith, the third time would have cost them $34.6 million. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo just became the man with the richest NFL contract ever, worth $137.5 million over five years. And although he gets a whopping $42.6 million in his first year, that averages out to about $27.5 million annually. And Cousins is looking to command about $30 million annually. So Jimmy G's time at the top of the pay scale may be limited. The Broncos, Cardinals, Jaguars, Jets, Vikings are all the top suitors. They each have pieces that might help him win now, and he's already said he wants to go to some place he can win now, though the Jets are a bit of a question mark there. Looks like Cleveland Browns really want him too, but they, and they have plenty of cap space, over $110 million, but they may have a tough time wooing Cousins as they essentially have nothing in place to help him win now except for perhaps Josh Gordon and David Yoku. So what are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins? Is there a good landing spot for him, and is he going to be worth the money?
1: Uh, he won't be worth the money because he'll be overpaid. But so are all free agents, right? <laughs> right, they're um, all. it's votes. so rare that you see, and it's so rare that you see a quarterback um, who's of, I would say, top fifteen stature uh, make it to free agency. It just doesn't happen. I mean, it, this is this is, you know, I, I mean, I think the last time we've seen something like this was probably Peyton Manning. Uh, after his Colts tenure, which was, oh, God, you know, talk about feeling old, going on six, seven years ago now. Unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I could see, you know, so, so someone's going to have to, you're going to pay him because there's just not enough good quarterbacks out there. You're going to have to, someone's going to have to pay him. I think um, the best marriage is for him to go to Minnesota. Uh, all those guys mm-hmm. are up over there. I would just move on. Teddy Bridgewater's too much of a question mark after the, everything he's been on, through. Um, I would take Kirk Cousins. You got him eight games a year in a dome with an elite defense and good weapons around him. You get Dalvin Cook back, so you could really you could really take a lot off of Kirk Cousins and just ask him to make the big plays when he has to. And you know I think he could excel in that role, uh, a la Nick Foles in Philadelphia during this last playoff run. So I think that's a good fit. Now I have a wild conspiracy one though, and uh, this is a whopper. So are you ready for this? Oh yeah, let's do it. If I'm the Colts. I sign Kirk Cousins. I then take and trade Andrew Luck to somebody like the Browns, and I want a first and second round pick. The Browns can afford to be more patient. Whoa. The Colts, the Colts and Andrew Luck. I think they need to move on from that marriage. You never know if he'll be the same. There's still enough viability that someone like the Browns would reach for him. And I think you could flip him to Cleveland, take their number one overall pick, have have uh, Kirk Cousins as your quarterback now. The Browns get Andrew Luck, and hopefully he comes back, and he's the guy you can build the franchise around. That's my wild one, but the more realistic wow. I think is Minnesota. Yeah, right.
0: And I think that um, a lot of uh, a lot of pundits are saying that Viking the Vikings are a good fit for him. He's actually apparently mentioned that offhand as well. That Vikings is where he wants to end up. Uh, they have a very interesting, but that's a that is a great conspiracy theory. I would love to see that happen. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. I'd love to see Andrew Luck try to reboot. In, uh, in Cleveland, I mean, that would be something really interesting to see. I would love to see Kirk Cousins in uh, in Indianapolis. Nice start there, nice fresh start there. But I think you're right. He could do a lot of damage if he goes to Minnesota. So let's just switch to that for a second because I know there's some other people we're going to talk about. But let's talk about the Vikings quarterback situation since you raised that. They have Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, and Case Keenum, and all of them are heading to free agency. So I, I take it from your thought process here that they should just let them all go. But Case Keenum was very good last year. I mean, what are your thoughts on just keeping Case Keenum with the Vikings and just kind of moving forward with him? Because I I think he has uh, a lot of potential uh, to move forward if he can keep up the pace that he had in 2017.
1: You know, that's interesting. That is. That's interesting, Akun. Case Keenum, he did make it to the NFC Championship. Let me ask you, uh, was Aaron Rodgers in the postseason this year? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think we all know the I think no. we know where we're going on this. Okay. Yeah and no he wasn't.
1: <laughs> okay. Was uh wait, let me check. Was Russell Wilson in the postseason this year? He certainly was not. No, he wasn't either. Okay. So this year was literally the year that was laid out for Case Keenum to have a shot to get there and he couldn't do it. He got waxed. Wax on FC Championship night. Nice story. That was a peak year. That was the outlier. That was, that was the exception, not the rule. Whatever cliche you want to use. That was water reaching its level. All of it. I, there, I gave you three cliches in about 10 seconds. Um, no, you don't stick with Case Keenum. Sam Bradford is the biggest piece of DS quarterback that's for dog shit. Um, quarterback I've ever seen. Um, he, I mean, uh, talk about a guy who should have played his entire career with Jeff Fisher. Too mediocre you know, two guys draped in mediocrity who've been talked about more than they deserve to in the history of the NFL. Um, they should have stayed together for forever. So um, I move on from those two. Teddy Bridgewater, I was never high on in the first place. I never thought he was that good of a quarterback. Um, and now you, you factor in, the you know, the gruesome leg injury. It is, they got to go get somebody else because the rest of that team, again, the defense, I still need to see it when it matters. But in general, the rest of that team looks pretty stout. They, they need to go get a real quarterback now because those three aren't getting it done.
0: Well you know, I mean to be fair, Keenan did play I mean he did have a relatively good regular season. I mean let's not let's not kind of go for the fact that he only played uh really like twelve games and still ended up with the twelfth most receiving uh, passing yards in the NFL. Um and he had a so your mic cut out again. Oh I'm sorry.
1: Okay. Well, in the meantime, while we wait for Hakun to get back, I'll take over here for a minute. Um, So I think he, I think he was just uh, mentioning how, how Case Keenum actually had a a fairly productive regular season. Um, And I will, uh, I will go on the record and say that if you look back at the the game logs here, um, Case Keenum actually had a couple of outlier games that really inflated his stats, but overall he's a pretty mediocre quarterback throughout the year. And uh, you know, so I I stand by my my point here that I just don't think that uh, that the Vikings could build around him. So, uh, despite the regular season he had and, and the success of getting to the NFC championship, you just can't bank on a guy like this doing it year in and year out. Um, you know, again, I think that this was the the peak of his career and going forward, uh, you're gonna really be, you know, looking at a more of a long term answer in Minnesota. Hakun, are you back?
0: Hey, I'm back. <laughs> you still there? Yeah, okay, I
1: did my best yeah, I did my best tapped dance. You're gonna have to edit some of that out, but wow. Um, <laughs> so-
0: that was a big. Uh, so I thought I could fix the problem by plugging and unplugging my mic. Big mistake. That does not work. Okay, guys. So I will tell you. I, <laughs> I I thought. So I I thought I was gonna. I I guess I'm not qualified to be an IT guy. I always thought that plugging and unplugging would work. Doesn't work for microphones, everybody. The lesson learned. Well, All right. Well, so hope, I know you did a little tap dance.
1: Skills to work out a little better, but. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, listen, let's turn, to our, let's turn to our next guy. Let's turn to Nick Foles because I know that we've been uh, kind of tap dancing around the entire Viking situation. Uh, I think it's a good take, and I, and I know you responded to me talking about Case Keenum and uh, his regular season. So let's talk about Nick Foles, all right? There's two lines of thought here. Some say you have two QBs, you got none. Some say there's nothing more important than having a solid backup quarterback. Where do you fall with Nick Foles? And we did talk about this a little bit last week, but uh, give us a little bit more on your thoughts there.
1: Yeah, I think um, as for really the Eagles, you got to trade them. Um, you know what i what I was looking at or what I was speaking to earlier um, is that there's just not enough good quarterbacks out there, and so I think you need to go get something for him because somebody will overpay. And you know, I think this would be a good option for Jacksonville. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm, I'm pursuing Nick Foles, um, and then and then trying to to use a draft pick to get somebody to hopefully young to develop under. Um, and you know, in the Eagles that way, they could swap Nick Foles for Blake Bortles. So, you know, talk about way too early. It's probably way too early to tell when Carson Wentz will be available. But say he misses the first quarter of the year. Is yep. that team is that team good enough to go three and one, two and two with uh, Blake Bortles at quarterback in Philadelphia? Absolutely. So you do that, you tread water. You don't need Nick Foles, you don't need somebody to go four now. The first quarter of the season is kind of a trial and error anyway. So you do that, tread water then you bench Blake Bortles when, <clears throat> when Carson Wentz comes back, obviously. And so I think that's the, the dream scenario for them. You can, you can flip him, and then, you know, obviously I think Jacksonville would have to include a, a pick in there or even you know, even make him even more interesting. Um, Jacksonville's offense seemed to have enough weapons with some of the y- young kids stepping up. I would dangle Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson for Nick Foles and avoid having to get rid of a draft pick in the oh, process. You bring in, you bring in Nick Foles – you still use that first-round draft pick to go get a quarterback, and then you fill the you know the talent. The defense doesn't need any help, so then right. you just fill out you know wide receivers um, and maybe a flash running back who catch the ball out of the backfield a little more explosive than TJ Yeldon to kind of fill out that offense in, in Jacksonville. So I feel like that'd be a win-win for both sides. And um, you know Allen Robinson has been a, has been a good player, but I think also a lot of years he's uh, kind of been underwhelming. He's now had two uh, season-ending injuries, and he could go play the number three guy and kind of fill in for Torrey Smith, who's kind of getting to his elder years there in Philadelphia. So um, I think that's a dream scenario for both sides.
0: Yeah, I kind of like that. I actually do like that. I mean, the fact of the matter is that the Jaguars are young at wide receiver as well. They have D.D. Westbrook. They have Keelan Cole there. Uh, Alan Hearns is still there. I mean, they obviously have a lot of possible weapons that could make Nick Foles successful there. That would be a very interesting swap to make. And I agree that, I mean, I said this last week as well, Foles, his value will never be higher than right now, and so if they can get something for him, they should, because Carson Wentz is the man of the future. There's no reason to go away from him. Let's talk about the last uh, thing on the quarterback uh, situations that I I wanted to discuss today, and that's the Bills quarterback situation. That's a little bit interesting because I don't think they have anybody. I mean, they have Tyrod Taylor and Nathan Peterman, and, and head coach Sean McDermott, though, wouldn't comment at all on Taylor's future of the team, and even stating that the team will continue to, quote, evaluate their options. And, but it was clear what McDermott thought of Taylor when he benched him in favor of Nathan Peterman earlier in the season, and almost completely derailed the Bills' opportunity to make the playoffs. Now the Bills have yet to make any type of commitment to Taylor. They're going year to year of him since he got there. Taylor has mentioned he will not take a pay cut to stay there. It sounds like he's gone. What do you think the Bills should do at their quarterback position?
1: So I like two guys for the Bills' quarterback position. I'll give you one guy who's in the league, another guy who's not in the league yet. Ah, yeah. Um I. Think- both, both similar players. I think both would pair well um, with, uh, with a you know, good play-action game plan with LaShawn McCoy and some of the weapons. Zay Jones in the second year there, Charles Clay at the tight end position. Uh, in the league, I would take a flyer on Teddy Bridgewater. I'd bring him into camp, see if the legs healed. Um, yep. And, again, that's predicated on my idea that he's not going to be in Minnesota again. Um, yeah, the guy who I think is a younger uh, Non-disastrous uh, leg injury uh, recoverer uh, like Teddy Bridgewater that okay. plays a similar style. Um, kind of the you know the you know the the elusive quick uh, sh- you know uh, more undersized fast quarterback would be uh, Lamar Jackson in the draft. Um, oh, that's who I would target in okay. the first round if I'm the Bills. I know. For whatever reason it seems like a lot of people are down on Lamar Jackson uh like a lot of the the, the Louisville players uh, after last season but I would I would drop Lamar Jackson and I, and I would bring in Teddy Bridgewater and keep Nathan Peterman and let the three of them fight it out in camp.
0: Yeah, I uh, I see that uh, you know I I don't have any faith that Nathan Peterman's going to turn the corner anytime soon. I think if he's going yeah, to if he reaches any potential, he's gonna need some more seasoning. Uh, I think getting a quarterback in there that has a little bit more—if they really are serious about getting Nathan Peterman up to speed—then they gotta get them. Uh, they gotta get somebody who has a little bit more, um, a little bit more uh, veteran, uh, pre- veteran presence than um, than uh, than any of those guys actually. Because Teddy Bridgewater didn't even really play for a significant amount of time. So either way, I think that will be an issue. Obviously, Lamar Jackson had not played at all. So all that stuff is is gonna be a problem. If they do that, I think Nathan Peterman's toast. He doesn't really hold a candle, I don't think, to them, although Sean McDermott seems to like him a lot, so that may be in his favor. On the flip side, Tyrod Taylor, I think he um, I think he might be better off going, and I think the Broncos might be a good place for him to end up uh, if they don't come up with any better options, because they really don't have any better options right now. So because he had the technical difficulty, you ran out of time. So give us your uh, Twitter and Instagram, and uh, we'll go ahead and pick this up again next week.
1: Yes, uh, Twitter is at Ryan Whitfield, N-E, Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore uh, time. There we go. And uh, make sure you check out my boys, DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports.
0: You can follow me at FB Garbage Time. And we're going to be back again next week to talk more about this and other things in the offseason. And we're going to be touching on some fantasy football coming up soon as well. Until next time, enjoy your football NFL week.
1: And I'm sure we'll have some more technical difficulties for the listeners. (laughs) That's right.
0: And look forward to more technical difficulties.